Uh, and we are in Acts chapter 24. We're going to start at verse 22, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 25, verse 12. So a little bit longer reading this morning. Um, A little bit longer. So Acts, again, Acts chapter 24, starting in verse 22. Let me read these verses for us. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when, Lys- when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide or visit, visit him. And after some days, when Felix came down with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now, for I have, for I, when I have convenient time, I will call for you. <clears throat> Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Now, when Festus had come to the province, after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea, and that he himself was going to go there shortly. Therefore he said, Let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man and see if there is any fault in him. And when he had remained among them for more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. And when he had come, when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood and laid many serious complaints about Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, Neither against the law of the Jews, or against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended anything at all. But Festus, wanting to to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? And so Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving to death, I do not object to dying. But if there was nothing in, but if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he was confirmed with the, when he conferred with the council, answered and said, "You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go." Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you again for our time. Father, we thank you for uh, your word. It is living and breathing and active, and it has something to teach us and tell us today. And so we ask that you be our teacher of the day and open our eyes and our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, you might be thinking, well, here we go again. You know, it's uh, here's Paul. He's before another ruler, and it's the same old story. And um, before, you know, and as. And that's kind of true. Kind of here we go again. You know that, that's that's true. Uh, but before you may get well, you know maybe I can just skip over this because it's basically the same thing. Um, you know, just pump the brakes for a minute. 
Okay, it's uh, it's here. It's here for us. There's much to learn. Okay, from this section of scripture. And so we're going to go through uh, these uh, together here today. And we we start here in verse uh, twenty-two. Let me read that verse again. <clears throat> it says, "But when Felix heard these things, having a more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, "When the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case." Well, what? Uh, so Felix. Okay. Um, there, Felix used a um, a well-known uh, Roman principle, uh, which is basically allows him to issue a formal uh, delay of final judgment. So uh, that's what Felix is going to do here. Felix is he's he's kicking the can down the road. Okay, he's putting off judging Paul for obvious reasons. He's and we're going to talk about those and kind of why what was going on here uh, with him. Uh, Paul was not uh, convicted before Felix. He was never convicted before Felix, but he ordered him bound. Uh, Felix ordered him bound and delayed the final decision until the commander from Jerusalem could come up and present. Um, Now, Luke does not tell us in the narrative here in Acts whether the commander ever came up uh, and brought the final testimony that Felix had requested. Uh, either either way, what we do know is that Felix never he he, he didn't offer a verdict in the case of Paul, uh, and he kept it says he kept Luke tells us he kept Paul in prison for two years. Um, Paul was held in what they would call or we would call a liberal uh, prison, meaning his as Luke tells us his friends were allowed to come and go and to minister to him. Um, so some church historians uh, believe that it was during this time that Paul uh, wrote a lot of his material. Some of it was included uh, in Acts and some other places of the New Testament. Um, and of course, we can assume that uh, knowing Paul, I mean, he's in here for two years, he would make use of his time. I mean, he wouldn't just be sitting here waiting. Uh, and I think that's would be evident of Paul's life that he didn't waste his time. Where, where, whereas you might look at two years in prison, you know, just an opportunity to sit and wait. Uh, Paul, he didn't waste any time uh, while he was in prison. Uh, even so, what we know is justice, uh, and this is uh, a phrase that uh, Dr. Sproul used. He said uh, this, referring to this delayed uh, judgment. He said, "Justice delayed is justice denied." Uh, about the way Felix was dealing with Paul, uh, so. Again, uh, Felix was procrastinating. Okay, he was clearly procrastinating. He did not really want to make a judgment in this case. Remember, he really he found no wrong in Paul. Uh, and so, why did Felix put Paul in prison, even though he knew that Paul was innocent? Well, we learned some more. Um, Verse 27, it says, But after two years, uh, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. And that kind of gives us a hint as to what was going uh, on in Felix's head and why he left him. So we're going to answer that question. Why why did he leave him uh, bound? Well, the simple, the short, a very short answer is it it was a political decision. That's the short answer. Okay, this decision to leave Paul bound, even though he found nothing wrong with him, no reason to kill him or punish him or anything, he left him bound for political reasons. Okay, that's the short answer. Uh, Paul was left in prison. Uh, Paul being left in prison is a matter of what what, uh, Sproul referred to, and I'm sure you've probably heard other places, uh, political expediency. 
Okay, he was trying to uh, here you're you're playing with someone's life really uh, for the sake merely of politics. Really, not about right and wrong here. It's really about politics, uh, political expediency. Uh, Felix knew that Paul was innocent, but he kept him in prison to appease the Jews uh, who wanted him dead. So this was, again, Felix knew that, okay, I see there's no reason to kill him, uh, but they want him dead. And so just to make him happy, just to appease, just to keep him quiet, I'm going to keep him in prison. It's kind of like a middle ground, uh, so to speak. And if you think, when you think about what uh, this reasoning behind Felix about he's just trying to appease the Jews, it was, it was very similar to the trial of Jesus. Okay, we need to remember see the similarities here. Okay, in the way the government was dealing with uh, Paul and the way the government dealt with Jesus. You remember what Pilate said after he examined Jesus? What did he say? I find no fault in this man. There's nothing here that is worthy of death. And then, of course, we remember he he, serif, he, he kind of ceremoniously washed, he says, I washed my hands of him. Um, but we know that that mere action of I washed my hands really didn't remove any of uh, the guilt uh, of the blood of Christ from his hands. But um, because he had, in, in, in Pilate in that case, had compromised. He had compromised for the same reasons that Felix is compromising, for politics. He compromised for politics to appease the crowd to appease the Jews at this time of Jesus so we can see some of the similarities and, and Dr. Sproul made a wonderful comment he said on this occasion Lady Justice took the blindfold off to see which way the wind was blowing before she reached a verdict you remember you know Lady Justice holding the scales she's blindfolded and you see this imagery now um, that, that I, I don't know if, if Dr. Sproul coined this or this came from somewhere else I don't know but it's wonderful about Lady Justice taking the blindfold off first to see which way the wind was blowing. Examining the politics. If I judge this uh, on this favor, then what's going to happen politically? If I judge on the other side, then what's going to happen politically? And what's wrong with that? Because it doesn't consider objectively the guilt or innocence of the person. It's determining... You see the problem, big problem with that. Okay, You're determining guilt based on politics. Well, if I say he's innocent, doesn't matter whether he is or not. If I avert it, if I rule that he's innocent, this is going to happen. If I rule he's guilty, then this is going to happen. And which one do I want? So we see politics um, very much involved here. Uh, Dr. Sproul also added, he said, you know, before we get too serious on Felix and or Pilate, we, we, don't, we need to stop for a minute and not be too hard on them because this was the way. This is the way of the rulers then. And it's the way of rulers now. And it has been for generations. People in power do this every day. Okay, It has been done for thousands of years and it's still done today. And I think we probably all would agree on that. Uh, rulers are known. People in power, governors, presidents, uh, whoever it is, kings, are known uh, to keep, they keep an eye on public opinion. Okay, they're very much concerned with public opinion and when they must decide between justice and political expediency, the sad thing is they rarely choose justice. And that's the sad state of affairs. Um, the idea of political expediency is a temptation to everyone in a position of leadership and or power. And what we know, because again we see it, we've seen it in these cases, we see it today, what we know is that men and women 
love power. And would they get a taste of it based on a position of politics? They don't want to let it go. Even when it comes to doing the right thing. They will make decisions based on politics, not right and wrong, for one reason, so they can stay in power. Because they like it. Power does corrupt people, doesn't it? It is very dangerous. And when you give it to fallen men and women, it can be very dangerous. And so we see this politics, playing politics. We see Felix playing it, and we see, uh, of course, Pilate playing it. Felix was, what we do know, uh, Luke tells us, that he was at least a little bit impressed by Paul uh, because he wanted uh, to learn some things from him. Uh, We see here mentioned Drusilla, okay, Felix's wife. In fact, this is Felix's third wife, okay, third wife, and she's mentioned here in the text. Now, when this conversation took place, Drusilla was not even yet 20 years old. And uh, Felix was now her second husband. Uh, She had broken off an engagement, uh, an earlier engagement, because the man she was engaged to did not embrace Judaism. And after that, she married a lesser monarch from Syria, but only stayed married for a very short time. And at the age of 16 is when Felix found her and convinced her to leave her husband and to come live with him and be his wife. So at the age of 16, this is a young woman who's been through a lot. Uh, Even though she was there with Felix as they taught with Paul, she was not a person of virtue. She was not someone to, even though she's there, okay, she's listening. We might ascribe some virtue to her. She's she's interested in the conversations with Paul. That'd be a good thing. Uh, Not so much. Okay, she was not... She didn't have that kind of reputation. I think she was just kind of playing games just there because probably Felix wanted her to be there. Um, afterwards, uh, she, uh, Drusilla and Felix had a son. They named him Agrippa. Uh, they both died in 79 AD. And they were buried by, uh, as what Sproul commented, was buried, buried by the ashes from an eruption from uh, a nearby uh, mountain, from basically a volcanic eruption. They were buried in the ashes. So interesting tale of events with, with these people. We know we don't know a whole lot about them, but we know a little bit. Um, Luke. So Luke tells us that these two, this husband and wife, came and they asked Paul about Jesus. And Paul started by explaining what it meant to have faith. He wanted to, to tell them, and we don't have transcripts of what happened. We kind of have summary. Um, and we see that summary here in verse 25. It says, now, as he re- as Paul, this is Paul in verse 25, <clears throat> as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Now go away for now, for, I have, for, when, for when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Again, Luke does not give us all of the details here about what uh, they discuss, but he offers a summary. Uh, based on what Paul emphasized. Paul, uh, the first thing that Paul talked about was righteousness. Now, given he's having a discussion about righteousness with a Roman governor, a person in power, Felix was supposed to be governing with justice and righteousness. Um, but in Felix's case, he had never really been exposed to this concept, the concept of righteousness. He's, he's supposed, that's what he's supposed to be doing Okay, that's how he's supposed to be doing his job. 
but he's never really been exposed to it. So he, he's interested in this concept of righteousness. Now, before Paul gave the gospel, he gave the law. Because before the good news is given, we need the bad news, right? We, we need to hear the bad news. The gospel is good news because of the bad news, right? That's what makes it good news because of where we are. And so Paul gave the law. He gave um, the, ba- the bad news. Where are you in your present state? And so Paul addresses Felix's sin. And that can always um, get a little bit dicey. Um, you can imagine if, if, if Paul was standing here before us today and he started talking about these things. Um, we might get a little uncomfortable as well. But So Paul is, is addressing Felix's sin. That's where you start because his, he, he deals with his unrighteousness. And he also spoke of self-control. Now, considering what we just talked about, about Felix and his wife and how Drusilla became his wife, uh, I think it's safe to say that Felix had no understanding of self-control. Again, he had taken Drusilla as his wife from another man, basically convinced him to leave, uh, which we know is wrong. We shouldn't do that. So it's clearly uh, this idea of self-control is foreign to Felix. He uh, He doesn't understand that. And so as Paul's talking about the law, he's talking about righteousness and sin and the good news. And when he got to the judgment to come, okay, this was the final blow, basically, in the conversation. This is where the conversation ended, okay, when Paul talked about final judgment. <clears throat> now, Paul is, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful to think about the circumstances of which Paul finds himself. Okay, he's reasoning before man who is his captor, who has him held in prison. And it'd be very, you would think, uh, for the average man to try to convince him to let him go. But Paul is not afraid of the difficult situations. Paul is telling him the truth. He's dealing with. He's not trying to manipulate him in, in some way to let him go and, and let me out of prison. He's dealing. He's telling the truth. He's telling about the law and the gospel and self control. And he's as he's talking about these things, he's heaping. I mean, his, this guy really he, he doesn't live this way. So you're just you're heaping up a bunch of accusations here. I mean, you're letting the, the word do the work. But I mean, you see where I'm going. This would be, be very easy to just try to make him happy. But Paul is not concerned with that. Okay, he's concerned with telling him the truth about the gospel and the law and righteousness. And so he's, he's speaking to his captain. Now he's talking about when he gets to final judgment. This is the question, again, I alluded to it earlier, uh, that Dr. Sproul said, what would happen today if Paul came and talked to you about the last judgment? What if, what if he was here today and he was talking to you about, and me, about self-control and about righteousness. You know, uh, and, and this was some, some points that Dr. Sproul made. He said, you know, we all love to make plans. Uh, we, we probably, all of us have a plan for today and this afternoon, right? Most of us probably have a plan for tomorrow, except some of the retired folks maybe have no plans for tomorrow, okay? And that's wonderful. I'm jealous, right? That'd be nice. But most of you probably do have plans, even if you are retired, right? You know 
you got some good plans. Uh, you know that you have some plans for next month. I know some of you are planning to go to Ligonier's Conference in Orlando, right? It's coming up, I guess, next month. Wonderful plans, right, that you're making for uh, the future. And some of us probably even have plans for 10 years from now, right? But what about 100 years from now? You make plans for 100 years from now? I hope, and this was Dr. Sproul said, I hope that when you think about 100 years from now, it is nothing but absolute joy. When you think about 100 years from now. He says, that's my hope. My hope and my prayer is that when you think about 100 years from now, it's absolute joy. Because you know you'll be with your Savior in heaven. But he also offered the other side of the coin. He says, but when some think about 100 years from now, it is not absolute joy. And why is that? Because they have not made and realized and accepted the gospel message of Jesus Christ and allowed Jesus to be the Lord of their life. They have not become a believer. And when you're in that, when, when you're talking about righteousness and self-control and the final judgment and you become uncomfortable, it's because you have not made peace with God through His Son. You have not acknowledged that Jesus is the Savior, your Savior, personally. You have not submitted to Him and given your life to Him then 100 years, you are very nervous. You are probably even terrified. And that's where Felix was. That's where Felix is. Felix, when he got to the final judgment, he became terrified. I can talk to you a little bit about righteousness. Okay, some self-control. Let's talk about that because that's the here and now. But now you're talking about something else. You're talking about something more permanent in the future. Right in the future, this final judgment. And now he becomes terrified. And that is, we can see it here because when Paul got to that, what did he say? Stop. Stop talking. He didn't say, he, he, didn't, he didn't say, tell me the good news. What's the answer to this? No, he said, stop talking. I don't, I don't want to hear any more about this now. That was the last thing that Felix wanted to talk about. Again, he didn't ask for Paul about the answer. What's the good news? Okay, this is all bad news, right? This is because he's getting to bad news, and and so what's the good news? But he didn't. He didn't. He told Paul to stop speaking. He didn't want to hear anything else. But what we can tell is that it probably nagged at him, because what does Luke tell us? Luke tells us that he kept calling Paul back in to talk. Um, you know, maybe, uh, and I think Sproul added, maybe he was asking or, or maybe he was hoping that Paul would some maybe change the story. Maybe this is not as bad as it sounds for him. Maybe, maybe that's a, an easier answer, you know, here. Um, of course, uh, we know that Paul didn't change his story. And the story was the same because it's the truth of the gospel. And for those who don't embrace it, yes, it is bad news. This final judgment is very bad news. And so we know that Paul didn't um, change his story. Um, We can try many ways uh, to suppress and repress uh, the Word of God, but we cannot destroy it. The truth remains. And we see that in Paul's testimony. No matter how much Felix wanted to change the story, it cannot be changed because it's true. 
And um, as in this case, as in a lot of other cases, we, like Felix, can try to run from it. We can even try to silence those who bring the truth, as is Felix is trying to do, trying to silence Paul. Um, but Felix, what we know, Felix had much to be afraid of. He had a lot to be. He had eternity to be afraid of. And that's a sad tragedy to, to really consider. He had, Felix had the world's foremost theologian and evangelist before him. Okay? And he refused to listen or to hear about the things of God. And he told him to go away. I, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Why did he do that? Why did Felix do that? Well, let me offer this because this is the next. This is a this is a uh, a quote from Matthew Henry on on this part of the scripture. And he says, Felix trembled. He said, but that but that was all. He said, many are startled by the word of God who are not changed by it. You can be afraid afraid of it, but not changed by it. Many fear the consequences of sin yet continue in the love and practice of sin. In the affairs of our souls, delays are dangerous. Felix put off this matter to a more convenient season, but we do not find that the more convenient season ever came. And he finishes, Behold, now is the time, and you need to hear and listen to the Lord today. Fear, right? Now, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but... That's helpful. At that time, he was doing what he did. Right. And he didn't know the Lord. He rejected the Lord. He didn't know right. Jesus Christ. He didn't know all of that. And so he was operating on the, the natural aspect of fallen nature. Right. And until the Lord overrides that and rules, overrules it, and regeneration. He's going to be doing exactly what he's been right. doing. And he sure. will receive the same chaos in his life all and all and, all. and all through that process, he is beginning to understand that he can't control his joy. He can't control his circumstances and all right. of that. And every decision when it comes in like this, he is experiencing somewhat of that final judgment that's going to come. And so when it was brought out, he was already experiencing that. He knew that that was in the future because God had given us that kind of grace right. and all of that. And so when it was brought out, it scared him to death. He's terrified. That's why he said, oh, well, we're here for Yes. But I take agree. it away if it's not real. That's right. Okay. <laughs> we know it's very much still real, right? We can silence, just like Felix tried to do, you can silence Paul. That make it not true. That make what he said not true. It's still there. And then that, that warning, I guess, from, from Matthew Henry, uh, talking about putting off to a more convenient time. Uh, and by what we know, that in his life anyway, in Felix's life anyway, a more convenient time never came. And, he, and then this is back to his to all of us. Behold, now is the time. What are you putting off till tomorrow? What are you not dealing with in your life? What sin, particular sin, or something some else that you're not dealing with, you're putting off till tomorrow, or you're holding on to? No, hear the voice of the Lord today. Because why? There, 
Well, first of all, there might not be tomorrow. But this more convenient time may never come. Today is the day. Well, let's move on. He says, uh, so what we know is that Felix held him for two years, hoping that Paul would offer a bribe to release him. Uh, And then it says Felix was called back to Rome. Now, Roman law for uh, prohibited the taking of bribes. <clears throat> so it was against, against, against the law to do this, but it happened all the time. Okay, back to our political expediency and people doing, not doing, not judging righteously how they're supposed to. Um, they obviously took bribes on a regular basis. So um, his, uh, Felix's brother, who we mentioned earlier, Pallas, he, had, he, he was the one who was protecting him. Now, he was no longer in power after these two years. He had uh, Now, Nero was on the throne of Rome. And even though his brother had lost his position, he still had some influence okay, in Roman affairs. And he kept Felix from being punished for his failures uh, to rule well in Israel. And so after Felix is now, he's now recalled, he's enjoying still a little bit of protection, he loses his position, we see that Portius Festus, he replaced Felix. Um, and he, and his, early on in his time here, uh, he seemed to behave just the opposite of Felix. Felix was procrastinating, he's putting off, but what we see here uh, is that Felix, uh, Festus acts, or takes action really quickly when it comes uh, to Paul. Now, what what we know about Festus? Okay, let's talk about him just for a minute. Um, Festus was a member of the Roman nobility. So he's not like Felix. You remember Felix was what? He was a slave. Okay, you remember that. He came from a different background, remember? So... um, so you got two different backgrounds on these, these, these rulers. Festus, he, he was of Roman nobility already. Felix was a slave. Uh, a little is known about his brief tenure as governor. Uh, he died two years after taking office. So two years from now, he dies. Uh, but what the Jewish uh, historian Josephus, uh, he described him as better than his predecessor and his successor. So he was better than who he came behind and who he who came after him. That he was better than those two folks. Um, so so we know Felix had been procrastinating. He's left Paul in jail for uh, two years for another time, and that tells us that Felix uh, Festus, when he came into power, just three days after, he goes immediately to Jerusalem, uh, which was a good diplomacy. Okay, this is wise of him to do this. If he's going to uh, govern and rule over the Jews, he figured, well, I better get to know him. Uh, and so as soon as he arrives in Jerusalem, the leaders petition Festus uh, to send Paul back down here to us, to Jerusalem, so they could do what? So they could ambush him and kill him. That was their plan for Paul. In verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 25, verse 4, <clears throat> so when all this has happened, and so it says, but Festus, they've asked him to bring him back down here, but Festus answered, and this is verse 4, answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea. And that he himself was going there shortly. And it says, Luke tells us, so after he had been with him ten days, he went back to Caesarea, and then he heard from the high priests and the rulers and the Jews, or, excuse me, the rulers of the Jews, everything they had said about Paul, all the charges. And all the charges were the same. They were all trumped up charges, right? They brought up again. Paul gives his own defense, and just like the first time that they went through this, none of this could be proved. None of it. It's the same story. Okay, none of it can be proved. 
in verses eight and nine of chapter twenty-four, and this is um, uh, this is uh, Paul speaking. Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. Is given his defense again. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, "Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things?" <coughs> Rule said uh, here that uh, one hand washes the other, and that is politics 101. Again, <clears throat> that what's Festus want? He's he's new man here. Okay, he's he's got uh, he's he's ruling over people who don't really want to be ruled over, uh, and so he he is just looking for a compromise. He's trying to find the happy middle ground. What's going to make both sides happy? Let's compromise. Let's find a compromise. And so he agrees to judge Paul, but not in Caesarea. But he wants to, he basically asks him, are you willing to go down to Jerusalem? Now, there was this Roman principle that was known as provocation. And this principle granted every Roman citizen under trial the ability to appeal their case before Caesar himself. And so that's what Paul invokes. Verses 10 and 11 says, So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Now Paul knows, or Paul knew, if he went down to Jerusalem, he probably wouldn't even make it there alive. Okay, he he knows that. He knows the situation. Um, the Roman seat of government in this region was at Caesarea. That's he's. But Paul saying, "Hey, I have done nothing wrong according to their law. If I'm going to be judged, it's here. It's it's the Roman seat of government. This is where I'm supposed to be. And if I can't be judged there, then I'm going to appeal to Caesar, and we're going to Rome." Now, if you are Festus, okay, he's new, new man on the block. He's new, new, you know, governor of the area. You can probably almost feel or sense his sense of relief here, because he's wanting to compromise. He's wanting to get out of this thing, um, and but now uh, Paul's saying, that which is within his right to do as a Roman citizen to appeal to Caesar. You cannot. He's probably relieved at this point, because guess what? Now I ain't got to deal with it. That's basically what Festus is. That's, that's his sense of, really, okay, now it's off me. Right? He, and he invoked it, and so uh, now he's, he's, uh, he has a way to get Paul out of his hands. So it's no longer his problem. He can, the Jews can't be mad at him because, hey, we're sending him on. Right? So, hey, I'm done with this guy. And so you can tell he was probably relieved at this point. And then in verse 12 it says, Then Festus, when he had conferred with uh, the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you shall go. Now, the who is Caesar at this point? Nero is the emperor. Um, now, you remember we've talked about Nero before. Now, he was known, as you remember, well, he's known for a lot of things, right? Uh, they called him the wild beast of the first century. Now, well, okay, just a little bit of history. Let's make the, so we can get our timeline right. Uh, Nero came into power in 54 AD. And we are told by Josephus and Tacitus that between 54 and 59, which is where we are in the timeline, 
Okay, with Paul. Okay, we're in those five years, those first five years, okay, with, with the timeline here with Paul before uh, Festus. The historians Josephus and Titus tell us that between those times that Nero was tutored by somebody else we've already talked about, the philosopher Seneca. We've mentioned him before, whose works are well known, still studied uh, today. Seneca taught Nero how to rule and judge well. And for the first five years, Nero was the model emperor. Okay? He was, he was, because he was listening to his tutor. He's being, he's, he's being well taught. And he was doing what he should, should do as an emperor. For reasons that we don't know, I don't think anybody knows, uh, based on what the uh, lessons that I read, after these five years, it was like somebody turned on a light switch. And after those five years, he became the bloodiest and most cruel, most ruthless, corrupt emperor that Rome has ever known. So, at this time, Paul's here, he invokes this. This corruption of Nero had not manifested yet. He had not become this corrupt ruler that we all know him to be. So, Paul did a pretty intelligent thing here by appealing to him. Because again, at this time, Nero's known to be a really good ruler. A really good emperor, model. Okay, so it was a it's a smart thing that is intelligent thing to do to appeal uh, to this Nero. Now, of course, what he didn't know is that things are going to change really quickly with uh, Nero. And I think it was Sproul who said uh, he didn't know, but Nero uh, is going to be waiting on him with the sword. And of course, we're going to get to that later. But um, what we do know that Paul was dismissed. Although Festus, and we'll study about this next time, Lord willing, uh, that Festus was, did bring him before a neighboring king, uh, Agrippa. Um, they had some; they couldn't find anything really wrong with him either. And now they're going to he is he is sent to Caesar, and then Paul will have to wait for his case to be heard. And as uh, and so we'll, we'll get to those in the next coming weeks, Lord willing. Dr. Sproul finished his kind of summary on this section. He says, History shows that uh, the church and the world are judged politically rather than by principle. Let me read that again. He says, History shows that the church and the world are judged politically rather than by principle. He says, We all do it. We've all had it done to us, and we ought not to be like that. Putting what, what's, what's he saying? He's basically putting politics over principle. Um, and you've heard people say, you know, they describe themselves as a man or a woman of principle, and it's easy to say, it's really hard to do. Okay, it's really hard to do. Very easy to say. It sounds good. It's hard to live by principle. When things are right and things are wrong. The wrong thing, the evil thing, is always evil, no matter what the political environment has. Okay, we have to, and, and for us in the church now more than ever, because we see none of this. We, we see principle in the in the world and the way they operate. It is all about politics. Can we agree on that? I mean, today, I mean, I, I won't say everything, but a lot of it, most of it. Okay, it has nothing to do with whether things are right or wrong, good or bad. Okay, it is out the window. Now more than ever, the church has to be convicted to stand on its principles. Okay, our principles, first of all, are we found right here in the Word of God. What's right and what's wrong? What's good and evil? And we must always call good good and evil evil and be willing to say, no matter what it costs us politically, this is evil. 
That's a hard place to be. Because we will get threatened. We have been threatened already. Churches. And you know what? Bring it on. That's what. If you had asked what would Paul say, Paul would say, bring it on. Put me in jail. Do, do it. I, know, I am convinced by principle that this is right or that this is wrong. And he lived by it. No matter the cost. And that's, what, that's the way we have to start thinking. Okay? That's why we have to start thinking in the, the public forum, which gets really difficult. Okay? All of you who have jobs outside of the home. Okay? It, you, you stand for what's right. It's going to be hard. It's going to be, it is going to be hard. And some of the same things that we see happening to the early church are going to happen to us. And it's coming. But we need to remember uh, to call it what it is. I'll finish. Uh, this. Our time is out. Uh, another comment from <clears throat> uh, Matthew Henry, which I thought was helpful. Be not deceived by occasional appearances of religion in ourselves or in others. It says, above all, let us not trifle with the Word of God. Do we expect... That, this, that as we advance in life, that our hearts will grow softer or that the influence of the world will decline? Are we not at this moment in danger of being lost forever? Now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Matthew Henry is saying, don't play around with this. This is nothing to play around with. This is life and death. Okay, it's a matter, we talk about principle over politics. It's the same. It's, this is nothing to play with. I don't trifle with the Word of God. It's not a toy. Right? It's life and death. And uh, now is the day of salvation and tomorrow may be too late. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, uh, thank You so much for our time this morning. Again, thank You for our lesson. Father, we uh, ask that You will use Your Word uh, and pray that You will use it to change us, Father to continue to make us more like Christ so that we may be your witnesses in this world for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.